Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. Now, If you haven't already, grab your sermon notes out of your Connect folder that you're handed on your way in. Go ahead and do that now. It's always good to take notes. Um, If you're not like a note taker on paper, maybe open up a note taking app on your phone. It doesn't matter if it's pixels or pages or paper. It doesn't matter. Go ahead and do that. Taking notes will help you grasp onto something maybe that we might say later today. We are in week three of our series we're working on through the book of Colossians. If you're new to the Bible, Colossians is one of the books of the New Testament. It was a letter first written by a guy named Paul to a church in a city named Colossae back in the year 60 AD. Now, what we're doing in this sermon series is usually at our church, we pick a topic or a theme, or maybe a person to talk about in a sermon series for like uh, four to eight weeks or so, and we're doing something a little bit different. We're picking a book of the Bible to speak through from verse one all the way through to the very end, and that's different for us. It's good, and let me tell you, it's a little bit difficult for me as the preacher because I don't get to pick what we talk about. We picked the book. We did that, but everything else after saying we're going to preach through Colossians, it's predetermined, chosen for us what we have to say or what we don't get to say. And most of the time, that's good. Some of the time, it's a little uncomfortable. For instance, men, sometimes it might be a good idea to let your wife pick the movie you're watching. If I'm picking a movie that my wife and I are watching, it's usually going to involve superheroes and a cosmic battle to save the world. Go, where's my Marvel nerds? Yes. Yes. Come on. It usually involves Dwayne, the rock Johnson. Jesus is called the rock. He's called the rock. There's something there. Come on. I mean, like it's got involved explosions and violence and battle between good and evil. And if you throw a Rocky movie in there, we're good. We're set. That's what I'm talking about. And when my wife Leah picks the movie, it's some indie tree bark, hippie, three people I've seen it ever, cost $3 in scotch tape to put together movie, and we end up watching these things. Right, ladies, who's with me? Or who's with Leah, I should say. And so when she picks the movie, sometimes that's good, because like, oh my gosh, what is this hippie stuff we're watching? Jeez. And then by the end of the movie, oh my God, that was beautiful. It ain't going to be Okay. Sometimes it's good for you to not pick what you're watching, and sometimes it's good for you to not pick what you're reading, but let the Bible pick for you what you're reading, because you might read stuff there, learn about some stuff that you wouldn't otherwise read and learn about. See what I'm saying? Same type of thing here. So this is good for me as a preacher. It's expanding what we talk about. It's expanding our topics. And it's hitting some issues that we normally might not just have chosen off our own heads. And so it's good for you, good for us. That's what we're talking about. Now, theme verse in all of Colossians, it's only four chapters long. I told you last week, you can read the whole thing in 15 minutes. Don't be intimidated by the book of Colossians. Four chapters. It's not long at all. The key theme verse is Colossians 1.28. It's kind of the ideas repeated over and over again throughout all four chapters, but this is the one idea we're coming back to again and again and again. So it's going to be on the screen, Colossians 1.28. 
It's on your notes too, because it happens to be in the whole section of scripture we're going to talk about today. So let's read this out loud all together. Ready, go. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. If you're taking notes, underline those two words, fully mature. This is the issue with Colossians. This is the heart of Colossians about presenting everyone fully mature in Christ. The mission statement of our church, say it with me if you know it, it's to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ. Pause. That's the first half. We want to be the type of church that uh, people who hate church like to come to. See what I mean? Like we're the type of church we do things like pumpkin chunkin and other stupid things. Why? Do you have a prayer meeting at pumpkin chunkin? Yeah, we prayed, you know, I'm just going to, yeah. We pray to win. <laughs> I mean, like, we do stuff because we want to be the type of church that unchurched people like to come to. Nobody likes a stuffy religious place where everyone's judgmental and mean. No, we try to be the type of church where people who don't know about Jesus, don't care about Jesus, become interested in him. We want to be that type of church. So we exist to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ. And here's the second half. Say it with me if you know it. And then grow together into fully devoted followers of him. That's the key. That's what it's all about. Fully devoted and fully mature are the same thing said a different way. This is what it's all about. Um, Here, we're not necessarily in South Florida. We're not like in the South of America. We're not in the Bible Belt. It's more New York than the South here in Palm Beach County, right? You know what I'm talking about? And so um, have you ever heard somebody say, I got saved? You ever heard anybody say that? That's a religious way of people talking about when they said yes to becoming a follower of Jesus. They asked him to forgive their sins and to become the Lord of their life. So they got saved from sin and saved from themselves by Jesus. It's just a nomenclature, like, I got saved. That's all good. What Paul is saying here is, yes, you want to get saved. It's a moment in time that gets marked by baptism. That's important. That's not the whole ballgame. I am saved, and then here's what we say, and I am being saved. One is instant and marked in a moment in time by a decision, and another is a gradual process of time. It's one thing to be forgiven of sin. It's another to be totally set free of sin. This is what we're talking about. To become a fully mature follower of Jesus just most basically means this, to be made perfect in love that you are perfectly love God and that you perfectly love other people. That's a fully mature follower of Jesus. And I don't think anybody here in this room has gotten there just yet. It's a journey, and we're all on it together. We're all on it together, fully mature. Now, in that context, if all of Colossians is about that of being coming fully mature, We're going to look at our passage for today. We're going to pick up where we left off last week in verse 24 of chapter 1. And so this is Paul speaking to the church, the Colossian church, and what he's saying to them, he's also saying to us. So let's look at this, verse 24. He writes here, Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regards to Christ's afflictions. For the, sake of the, for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, 
the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. And to this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. So the title for today's message is called Jim and Fridge. Makes perfect sense. Let's pray. <laughs> Lord, I pray that you would open our hearts even more to hear your word fresh to us today. Lord, like a, a freshly baked loaf of bread, that's what we've come to, uh, to spiritually feast on, is a fresh word from you. Your word is the bread of heaven. So would you feed hungry hearts? Would you help us to hear your voice in your word? And whatever Paul has to say to us today by your Holy Spirit, I pray you'd speak a unique word to each person here, that we would each have a unique application for our lives, that we wouldn't come here just to do religious things, but we would come to hear what you have to say to us and then go be doers of what you've said to us. Come and help us. Come, Holy Spirit. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said, Amen. amen. Well, guys, we live in a world where we have more access to people who can inspire and influence us more than ever before. You have more access to inspiration than any other human ever in the history of the world. If you need to get inspired, if you need to get motivated, it's probably just one click away from finding that. In fact, there are whole industries wrapped around inspiring and motivating people around certain goals. So here's a principle. We're not going to have this on the screen today, but if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. A principle for today that's really running through everything we're going to talk about, and you can find it in Colossians, is this. Key principle. Inspiration breeds imitation. Inspiration breeds imitation. Inspiration breeds imitation. Now, one of the largest ways that people inspire and influence others and look to be inspired and influenced is by what most of us struggle with the most of what most of us want to get inspired with the most and motivate us the most. It's around fitness and health and diet, right? I love cookies way too much. And I need a little bit of motivation and a little bit of inspiration. Okay, maybe a lot of inspiration and motivation. I need some help. And so there's a multi-million dollar, maybe even multi-billion dollar industry around inspiring and motivating people around fitness and health. Uh, for instance, one of my favorite series on YouTube that I've just started to watch, I don't think many people have seen it yet, it's put on by Men's Fitness, and it's called Gym and Fridge. And what they do on Gym and Fridge on each episode is they go to a famous athlete, a famous fitness icon, or somebody who people look up to, and they go to them and say, show us your gym and show us what's in your fridge. Isn't that a cool concept? So the first video I watched is none other than the Arnold himself. 
And they went to Arnold and said, Arnold, where's your gym? What's in your gym? What's in your fridge? Arnold still, to this day, works out at Gold's Gym in Venice Beach. To this day, that's where he goes. And then they said, okay, Arnold, great. Now show us your fridge. And let me tell you, when Arnold Schwarzenegger took the camera crew back to his house and opened up his refrigerator to show everybody what type of food is in his fridge, it broke my heart. You can see in that picture there, there are no T-bones, no filet mignons, no chicken breasts. What's Arnold Schwarzenegger, the Terminator himself? You know, I almost said Rambo. That, that's, that's Sly. Commando, that's Arnold. There it is. What's in his fridge? Mostly vegan and non-animal-based protein sources. Arnold, I thought you were my friend. <laughs> it broke my heart. I felt betrayed by him. So that's what's in Arnold's fridge these days. And then they went on to do other athletes and other inspirational figures. For instance, they interviewed the best football player of all time and who some argue to be the greatest team sport athlete ever in the history of our country, the one and only great all-time quarterback, Tom Brady. Is it too soon to bring up Tom Brady in South Florida? Is it too soon after what was supposed to be a football game but was not football last week? Too soon? Too soon? Okay. So what's in Tom Brady's fridge? What's in his gym? Well, Tom Brady has a gym in his luxury suite where he goes and works out. That's like the most Tom Brady thing ever. Ugh. And so what's in his fridge? Lots of fruit, lots of veggies, and we can all identify with this, chocolate. Ah, uh, very good. Okay, Tom at least has one normal thing about him. So all this got me thinking. I'm like, well, if, what's, if that's what's in their fridge, what's in my fridge? Oh, no. And then that got me thinking, and I went on a huge rabbit trail in my office. I went, what's in everyone else's fridge at church? And so I went on Facebook, and if we're friends on Facebook, you can see me say, hey, shoot me a picture of what's in your fridge and let me know what's going on. I have 70 pictures of refrigerators on my Facebook feed, and we're going to look at every one of them right now. No, 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 we're not, we're not going to look at them. We're just going to keep Arnold up there. But let me tell you what some of you said is in your fridge. So lots of pictures of normal fridges. And then there are here some of these freak shows. So some people said, what's in your fridge? Lots of people complaining, nothing but condiments. Anybody else here have like only ketchup and mustard and that weird like Asian condiment thing that you only eat once a year? So there's that. One person said, what's in your fridge? 45 different flavors of sparkling water. Who here likes sparkling water? You guys don't like things that taste good. Okay. <laughs> what's in your fridge? Some people said, all the hot sauces known to man. Another person said, what's in your fridge? Cake, cake fillings, cake frosting, and more cake. <laughs> I want to go to their house. I want to go to their fridge. Another person said, what's in your fridge? There's not a chance I'm showing you my refrigerator on this app, and I appreciate it if you stay out of my personal affairs. <laughs> Another person, what's in your fridge? A Bible and nothing else, because man doesn't live on bread alone. Sermon done, case closed. <laughs> Jeez. All right, here's another person. What's in your fridge? Quote, every meat eater's worst nightmare. Almond milk, orange juice, water, vegan butter, vegan cheese, vegan mayo, vegan chicken, vegan chorizo. Did I say it right? Chorizo, vegan sausage, vegan hot dogs, and Diet Coke. Oh, my gosh. And then they put hashtag save the pigs. Okay. 
And then last one, you can't make this up. What's in your fridge? Somebody didn't put a picture. They just typed in the words alligator heads. Well, what? And I texted them like, you've got to be kidding me. And then they texted me this picture. Like, <laughs> that is an alligator head with a black trash bag frozen onto it that they can't peel off. <laughs> Only in Loxahatchee, guys. <laughs> Only in Loxahatchee. Now, now, all this was a huge rabbit trail that really doesn't have to do with anything. But the whole point was thinking about people's fridges and all that stuff. The point was to go back to what draws people's inspiration because inspiration breeds imitation, okay? Inspiration breeds imitation. That's really what this is all about, and I just had a, a squirrel moment. So <laughs> inspiration breeds imitation. Now, the Colossian church couldn't help but be inspired by this letter from the Apostle Paul. They couldn't help but be inspired. Because this is what it probably looked like when Paul wrote it. Here's a drawing. Nope, that's an alligator. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Here's what it looked like. Ha! (laughs) This is what it looked like. He was in prison. They'd never even met him. Paul might, have been a cele- might as well have been a celebrity to them. Literally with chains on his wrists, with his protege Timothy, writing this letter to them. And this letter, which was written under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, must have been deeply inspiring to the Colossian church because we still have it today. In fact, they must have found it so inspirational that they kept it. And then they made meticulous word-for-word copies of it. And then they distributed it all around the known world at that time to other Christ followers in the ancient Middle East and all over the Roman Empire. They were deeply inspired by Paul and knowing he was riding in chains. And they were inspired by him. And inspiration breeds imitation. In fact, Paul invites people to imitate him, not in an egotistical way, but in a good, wise leadership way. He says it in another letter in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1. He says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. See, nobody I know of yet would declare themselves as a fully mature follower of Jesus. But if there was anybody who was close to being fully mature, it was probably the Apostle Paul. Just a few short years after he wrote this letter in 60 AD, somewhere between 64 and 70 AD, the Apostle Paul was executed in Rome by Emperor Nero for declaring that Jesus is king and not Caesar. He he had to have been at least close to being a fully mature follower of Christ and invites us to follow his examples. He follows the example of Christ. And so I think there's some things here in just these six verses of the Colossians that we could pull inspiration from that will breed imitation in our own lives. How can we follow his example? We could see it in just a few things in just these six verses. Here's the first one. If you're taking notes, write this down. What can we imitate in Paul? First one, it's joy and suffering. Joy and suffering. Right at the beginning of our passage, he says, now I rejoice in what I'm suffering for you. 
For I fill up in my flesh was still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. Now, just to be clear, what Paul is not saying, he's saying, well, what Christ did on the cross and his afflictions wasn't enough, so I have to fill it up a little bit more. That's completely not what he's saying. Everything Jesus suffered on the cross is sufficient. There's no other work left to be done. That's not what Paul is saying. What Paul is saying is he's metaphorically speaking about suffering on behalf of Jesus. Because, and Jesus taught this, you can go look it up later for yourself, it's not on the screen, it's John chapter 15, when Jesus tells his followers words like this. He said, if the world hates you, keep in mind, it hated me first. And if you belong to this world, it would love you as its own. But as it is, you don't belong to the world. But I've chosen you out of the world. This is why the world hates you. Remember what I told you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they'll persecute you also. And so what Paul is saying is, I'm just following in the footsteps of Jesus. And as Jesus suffered for the message of righteousness and grace and the message that his father sent him to preach, Paul is suffering for the gospel of Jesus Christ by declaring Jesus is king, God in human flesh, risen from the dead. And sometimes when you stand for truths like that, you end up suffering because some people find that offensive. Let's talk about that just for a moment. Now, uh, persecution is a real thing. And it happens all over the world today. And I am so grateful for the nation that we live in. Widely, I think Christians uh, experience incredible freedom in America because we constitutionally have the freedom of speech, freedom of worship, freedom of assembly. We have these things as rights that our country defends, and I'm proud of our country, and I'm proud to be an American, and I thank God that I get to live here every day. That's a good thing. You can thank God for the country you're in. It doesn't mean that we put up our flag next to the flag of Jesus. No, we are kingdom people first and foremost. That's the kingdom we belong to. But I am so grateful that I get to live in this country. I don't have to live with fear that somebody else in China experiences, somebody in the Middle East experiences. There's, there's widespread persecution that we totally do not experience. And I'm very grateful for that. Now, can I just say a hard thing to everybody just for a minute? Because I love you. Brace yourself. We're going to do it anyway. Some people think in our country like, oh, we're just so persecuted here in America. Why? Because somebody said something mean to me on Facebook after I posted about Jesus. Can I just say for a minute, just because somebody takes a swipe at you on social media about Jesus doesn't mean you're persecuted. For some people who think they're persecuted on social media, brace yourself and get step on your toes. Some Christians think they're persecuted. They're not persecuted. They're just a jerk. Yeah? <laughs> and they need to learn how to just be kind first before totally giving Jesus and other Christians a bad name. That's part of it. Now, here's kind of what I want to say to everybody. If there's a spectrum of persecution, okay, like over here, we're like on the lighter side of persecution, and then over here is really heavy persecution. Right here at the very like shallow end of the pool, we have if people disapprove of you and disagree, 
or if people make fun of you because of Jesus, or if you have give, experience like social pressure to conform, that's on the low end. But if you go further and further over here, not only do you experience shunning or even loss of employment, maybe sometimes people lose property, then there's violence, and then what the Apostle Paul experienced all the way over here, forced labor, imprisonment, physical torture, murder, or execution because you love Jesus. Paul was beheaded in Rome because of Jesus. And people die today in the world because of Jesus. It's a real thing. And yet sometimes we here in America go, they made fun of me. I just can't even handle this. I mean, like, oh my gosh, I can't even. Uh. Guys, we're soft. We're soft. We need to suck it up and toughen up because we're not persecuted. We experience maybe a little bit of pressure, but we're not. However, I fear the day will, may come in America where I could see it on the horizon. It's not here, but I could see something coming where we may experience real persecution. Do you see that culturally? Where following the values of Jesus will become so offensive to others, they'll start lashing out? And I could see it on the horizon, and I think we're not ready. We're not ready because we're soft. And so how do you change your perspective and imitate Paul with some of this stuff? You do what he did. You rejoice when you suffer for Jesus. We don't complain, oh, this is too hard. This is the same guy when another story in the Bible, when he's in chains again, and it's midnight, and him and his friend Silas are sitting in prison, and they start worshiping Jesus in jail. And a miracle breaks out because he learned to rejoice in his suffering. So you're probably not suffering for Jesus. Now, maybe you are, and I don't want to ridicule that, even though I've made fun of a lot of people. (laughs) But even if you are, instead of complaining, learn to rejoice. Because Jesus said this, you're blessed if you're persecuted for righteousness' sake, and you're blessed if people persecute you because of me, because they treated the prophets the same way. It's a blessing. Learn to have joy in it. We can imitate that. We can also imitate this, that Paul realized that there was a privilege in serving, a privilege in serving. There's a privilege in serving. So in Colossians 1, 25 through 27, okay, just follow along. 125 and 27, it says this, I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them, God has chosen to make known to you among the Gentiles the glorious riches, here's that word again, of the mystery, which is in Christ in you, the hope of glory. Underline that word mystery. Now, I've been at Community of Hope for about five years now, and uh, I got sent to Community of Hope right out of seminary, which is like pastor school. And let me tell you, I hit the jackpot by beginning to become like the second pastor ever at Community of Hope, okay? I hit the jackpot. Now, it's clearly because of all of you. (laughs) No, but really, you guys are like an insanely awesome, loving church. 
Um, but one of the reasons I hit the jackpot is because I get to serve with Dale. And Dale is a very wise and loving and incredibly generous mentor. He's toughened me up. He's corrected me a lot. He's like, Trevor, come here. You did this great. And explain to me why you did that. I don't know, because I'm dumb. That's why. <laughs> He's been an incredible mentor. And one of the reasons why Dale's been an awesome mentor to me is because he invites me into circles that I have no business being in. I get invited to be part of tables where I sit around with other church leaders from all over the nation, and I'm sitting there because I work for Dale. And he invited me to come sit at the table. And I'm looking around this room like, I've read your book. I took a class about you. You inspire me. My life goal is to become more like you. I'm just going around the room like, what am I doing here? And they'll look at me, Trevor, what do you think? Me? Me? And oftentimes, because Dale's so generous, he brings me along and invites me in to have a seat at a table where I don't belong. But he allows me to belong. And I always leave those things thinking to myself, this is so special. This is so special. And this is what Paul is saying here. He's saying you're talking about this mystery that's been revealed to people from generations long ago. Christ in you, the hope of glory. There was a time when people who were not ethnically Jewish did not get a seat at the table. But now because of Jesus, anybody, it doesn't matter your ethnicity, it doesn't matter your gender, it doesn't matter where you've come from or who you are or where you've been or what you've done or what you haven't done, you get at a seat at the table of Jesus. And it's so special, and it was not always that way. But if you've lived in America, where there's a church on every corner, and you're just used to it, you can take it for granted that you are getting a seat at the table of the mystery of Jesus, where people before you would have not killed, because we don't believe in killing, but... They would have killed, not, they would have done anything, but you get what I'm saying. They would have done anything to sit right now where you're sitting, and we just take it for granted. And so what does Paul think? It's a privilege to be a part of the Jesus movement and to sit at the table of Jesus and to serve the Jesus movement. Don't take it for granted. Some of you the most spiritual thing you could do is before you leave, sit in your seat and say a prayer, go, God, this is so special. Thank you. We can imitate that in Paul. And here's the last thing. We can see in Paul that there's a power in cooperation. There's a power in cooperation. He says in the last verse of our passage, I don't have it on my notes. Can you go and put up verse 29? There we go. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. That word there, strenuously contend, is the Greek word. Let's hope I don't botch this up. Agonizomai. Now, aren't you impressed at how smart I am? Agonizomai, which means it's a sports metaphor for training and trying an effort and contending and competing. Agonizomai. Why would Paul talk about that? 
So you notice in the passage there, Paul is strenuously contending, but Jesus is also exerting energy. They're both exerting energy. Do you see that? I want to leave you with this thought. I was good at no sports growing up, and I have no natural athletic ability. Thank you for not saying amen. (laughs) But the one thing I was good at was martial arts growing up. Here's a picture of me when I first got my yellow belt in January of 1992. Look at that bad mama jamma. Watch out on the mean streets of Oldsmar, Florida. And so that was the only sport I was good at. And what's really cool is my son, Cade, is now in karate. And on Friday, this happened where he got his yellow belt. Isn't that cool? That's awesome. It's following in his daddy's footsteps. It's pretty cool. And why am I showing you this? Because his sensei said something at his test this week that I thought was pretty powerful. He looked at all the students and said, I can fix your punches, I can fix your kicks, and I can fix your katas. I can't fix your effort. Only the ones who come in here are willing to give their effort are the ones who are going to advance. If you come with your effort, I'll come with my effort and shape you and make you a black belt one day. All my son just has to do is show up and cooperate. And so in the theme of becoming fully mature... We need to remember, it's just not enough that we've raised our hands and said, yeah, I'm going to follow Jesus. What you need to remember is that Jesus will form you into his image. He will grow you into full maturity. He will set you free from sin in your life. He will heal your broken heart. He'll transform your life. But you've got to show up too. Last thought, here's a picture of a sailboat. Enough of this hand-to-hand combat stuff. Some people just need to see a little bit of water to get some Jesus. Sailors are completely dependent on the wind. The boat won't go anywhere if there's no wind. But their job is to cooperate with the wind and put their sail up and to catch the wind to take them to the other side of the world. It's the same with following Christ. Jesus, his energy is working powerfully in your life to make you a fully formed follower of his. But you've got to cooperate. Friends, here's the question I'm going to leave you with. Is your sail up to strenuously contend for your faith while Jesus is working in your life? Or are you just sitting back taking it easy? strenuously contend and he'll change your life would you if you're able would you please stand for a close moment um if you feel comfortable you don't have to do this but if you feel comfortable would you just put your hands out in front of you like this it's just a posture of prayer you don't have to if you don't need to it's not magic but just pray this prayer with me just silently to yourself say Lord Jesus my sails are up I want to cooperate with you to make me fully formed as a follower of you. Thank you, Lord. Lord, for all the ways where this message could apply to our lives, there's so much to imitate and so much of an example in the Apostle Paul to follow as he follows you. I pray by your Holy Spirit you would apply each of it to our lives and what our next step is so we would not just be hearers of the word, but doers of it. We thank you, Lord. 
We ask all of this in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, amen. Friends, go in God's peace. We'll see you next weekend.